uh, make sure when we do this for the next two hours while drinking beer that you don't make any mistakes. <laughs> okay. Make sure you make no <laughs> mistakes. <laughs> Could you, I was thinking about that I was gardening today. I was like, Dude, there's so many people that hate listen to our podcast. And one of them is one of our <laughs> best friends. <laughs> you ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Thanks, Mr. Uh, now look, here's a house full of bees. Like you think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a listen, shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I do. that be beat farmers ah wow dang i haven't heard them and i think since like high school kind of a strange band. yeah i think they were lumped into kind of the punk genre back then because they used to see them yeah in uh, thrashing thrasher magazine back in the day they played a lot i think with uh southern culture on the skids mm-hmm. yeah, back in the day they were see that kinda, working yeah right like kind of a weird like genre proof band they were yeah they were a little bit um Parody-esque with the Western kind of thing. Yeah. I believe. A little bit. Because yeah. I think they were came from the punk scene. Mm-hmm. I was listening just from like a production standpoint, is I was wondering, I was like, I wonder if the guy that produces, because that song has some cool production in, into it. You know, it's got a very unique sound and mm-hmm. that was obviously done intentionally. I was listening to that snare sound. I was like, I wonder if a producer said, like, you know, with the whole kind of thing that you guys got going, we need to make that snare almost sound like resemble the the sound of a cracking whip. Which ah. is what it kind of sounds like, huh? Yeah, yeah, interesting. I was like, that is an interesting snare sound. I mean, that was obviously done intentionally. Having, uh, I would never have known this before. I was in a band with a really good drummer. Um, but uh, apparently, actually, I was in a band, the same band with two really good drummers. Mm-hmm. Only one of them played the drums in our right. band. The other one is one of those guys that could play just, he could play every instrument better than everybody else. Oh, I hate in the those band. people. <laughs> <laughs> Just an actual musician. Yeah. <laughs> um, Here, I'll give me your drum set. I'll show you the beat. I'm thinking of yeah. like, oh, fucking asshole. <laughs> well, luckily, our our actual drummer Will was. Yeah, know, he's one of the best. He is a great drummer. Best drummers, yeah. yeah. And he has great taste in music too. Yeah, hell of a dancer. Um, Not too uh, pretty easy on the eyes too. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Especially as he's gotten older. So I'd like to play drums with him someday. You know? <laughs> Wouldn't you? <laughs> Uh, anyways, the snare drum turns out is like the most important 
drum when it comes to sound. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It's like the, it's the only one that, it seems to me like it's the only one that matters. Like, like we focus so much time on the actual sound of the snare. He owns like four snares. The right, right. snare was always like the thing. The other drums could go fuck themselves. It seemed like the snare drum is the only That drum. is absolutely. Signature sound, right? That's absolutely true. Uh, two things is, there are albums I love, but the snare sound is terrible. I was like, I just, I can't listen. Mm. Like, I, that's what I listen to is the snare sound because I don't, most, I don't, I don't know, like your average listener is usually listening to the vocal melody. I'm, yes. I'm always listening to the drums. Mm-hmm. And I have recorded, I can think of four albums at this point, probably more than that, where the producer showed up, flew in from somewhere to record the album with a snare. That's all uh-huh. they brought. He's like, here's the snare that we're going to use for this right. album. Yeah. And you're like, the first time it happened, I'm all, that's weird. And this dude showed up with a snare. I mean, uh-huh. our drummer has a decent drum set. Um, turns out he didn't. And he was a terrible drummer too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he put the snare on. I'm like, oh my God. Like, you know, he flew in from Arizona, you know, carried on a snare. I was like, uh, I could see, okay, this is making sense right now. It makes sense. It's like a, it's like a gun going off. In, mm-hmm. in music, every time you hit that yeah. snare, right, it cuts through everything. So. Or, or someone uh, punching a trash can if you like Metallica's Saint Anger album. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst snare sound ever made. <laughs> so much so that a guy did a play along on YouTube to that album using uh, an actual trash can, had it mic'd with a snare, big old studio setup and everything. Yeah. And he pl- did a playthrough on the album uh, hitting a trash can. Sound exactly the same. <laughs> pretty much. Couldn't, couldn't distinguish <laughs> yeah, the pretty two. Pretty much. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're right, you're right in there, bud. Yeah. Cool. So I was thinking uh, just today, as we are coming out of the like the world's longest episode, you know, Blade Runner movie of just rain, 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 and finally the sun kind of came out today. It looks like we don't have a lot of rain on the horizon, and Thank that God. concludes my weather report. I hope it never rains again. But yeah, now that all of us are uh, finally kicking, you know, our um, sads, our <laughs> seasonal affective disorder is a song came on. I was with my son. We were driving because I took him to boxing this morning, which, by the way, my son has been in. I don't know if he intuitively figured out that we're, like, not spanking people, but it's, <laughs> it seemed like yeah. like Monday or Tuesday because he was sick and we had to keep him home. Like, he was pretty sick. I'll, I'll give him that. But he, um, it's almost like, hey, you guys don't spank, huh? Let's see if you really don't spank. And, like, you just... Like we got put to the test this week, so much so like you're like I was <laughs> hand raised like <laughs> no that's, told my wife like uh, can we re- can we rethink this whole thing uh, yeah where I was like I'm like you mean the whole parenthood thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> the return policy that we don't know <laughs> right and uh, and then I which put me in a funk and I have been in a funk because it's like my jobs are on hold because it's raining and you know just everything just has generally kind of sucked. And then um, I took him to boxing this morning. I got to roll and jump on the treadmill and like instantly walked outside. The sun was shining. I was like, everything, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And it, he turned into an instant angel, just yeah. like the best kid ever because he got it out of his system. I got it out of my system. Like everything, is, it, was, it was like magic. Yeah. And then I met my wife for lunch. She goes, how are you doing? Because she knows like. You know, I was pacing it around like my fist clenched in the bedroom, like, oh my God, dude, like, I'm, I'm going insane right now. Like, and she goes, How are you doing? I'm like, Everything's fine. Like, it's going to be a good day. We're going to work in the garden today. Like, everything's nice. And then when I was driving to come here to meet you to record this, um, my son loves the country station. 
And so I flipped it on and this song came on and it was such a perfect song for that moment. And that made me start thinking about, we've talked about the concept of the summertime jam, mm-hmm. which means obviously as uh, it varies from person to person, you know, what that, what that means. And so I started deconstructing in my mind, like what really makes like a summertime jam or summertime jams, which ends with a Z obviously. Yeah. And it's, and You're it's talking a, about the shorts. No, <laughs> no, it's, it's a very specific thing. And so much so that it is a genre. And so play this. Turns out this is a new song by the guy Morgan Wallen. I'm going to play a clip of it and, and explain like why I thought this was a summertime jam. <laughs> Got a groove. Very major. Very major. Uplifting. Yep. Good melody. I know I only thing that's country about this is the twang in his voice. <laughs> it's either this groove or a hip hop beef these days, so I can't tell them apart until the person starts singing. <laughs> uh, this song is called One Thing at a Time. It's the new Morgan Wallen hit. So it's got all about sobriety. It's about how you can only quit one thing at a time. So I can quit drinking, I can quit you, I can't do both. Ah, right. You know, one day at a time is a right like AA right. slogan. Yeah, one thing at a time. I'm guessing is this A April that we're in right now. <laughs> so I started thinking about like what makes this a summertime jam. It's got a nice like uplifting groove, right? Mm-hmm. Good, just bass like locked in with the drums. It's laid back. You know, it's like not a little too rocking. It's just. You know what I mean? And then it's got the melody, right? Simple, like good chord progression. One thing that really stood out to me, because I started thinking about like, what are your ultimate summertime jam bands? Like who's on the Mount Rushmore of the summertime jams? Mm-hmm. Would be Boston. I'd say probably Journey. Uh, Thin Lizzy is probably, it's, it's, a, it's a tie for first with Thin Lizzy in Boston. I was like, okay, so what, what do those bands have in common? So particularly with Thin Lizzy in Boston, it's they have those laid back kind of grooves. It's like kind of rocking, you know. It's like midlife crisis rock and roll <laughs> to a certain extent. But when you listen to it, it's like I just I don't really have to think about it. It's just like it's pleasant to hear. It's got enough like kind of good energy, you know what I mean? So you and your friends are hanging out in the backyard. Let's throw some stuff on the grill. Have a good time. Another specific thing is they always have harmonized guitars, which is in this song. You can hear huh. what the guitar is doing. It's got this constant harmony going on, which a band like Boston is really good at, but Thin Lizzy are the ultimate masters. So if you want to think of like what the pinnacle of that ideal is, would be Boys and Back in Town. The Boys are Back in Town by Thin Lizzy. It's like the ultimate summertime jam. It's got those constant like harmonized guitar melodies like throughout the entire song. It's got the hook, the chorus. We didn't get the chorus in this song. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it just sent me down this rabbit hole of like, man, what's... Because you and I, living in San Francisco, would go surfing. Then this is, what, 20 years ago? Yeah. And we're constantly listening to Boston. Like, that was our pre, right. pre-surf music. Yeah. So much so that we... I don't know if you remember this, but in your old truck, your Ford Ranger, that we were, would drive to the beach to go surfing after work. Sun's out. Like good day at work like we're we're amped like now we're gonna go surf we've probably already surfed twice that day already but still we're <laughs> super excited to go surf again because at that time our whole member our whole crew you know revolved around like what the tides were doing and yeah. then we're gonna surf we worked <clears throat> when the surf wasn't good right exactly and i don't know if you remember this but we were driving to the beach to go surf 
and we were listening to Boston, and then you know we were like rocking out, and we start playing like air guitar and air organ on yeah. the, on, the, on your dashboard, and we talked about like, dude, we need to make like a cardboard organ that like sits An over actual <laughs> yeah, glue it to my dashboard. Yeah, and yeah. then you were on your steering wheel it would be a fold out guitar neck, so when the solo yeah. came on, you'd like flip it out. Exactly, you could still. Oh, of course, st- I remember that. Yes. I still think about that. <laughs> I still want to do that in my truck. <laughs> do that in my brand new F three fifty. Hell yeah. So, dude, we used to, and Mike would, would I wish he was here right now, because he would yeah. get in on that right. with us, too. So, yeah, we would play, like, the intro to Foreplay Long Time. That, right. Like, one Which of is best, one like, of the, like, most epic. We used to talk about, like, dude, why is this song not in a surf video? Like, you, you yeah. see, like, footage of dudes charging, like, Mavericks or something, yeah. and this song comes on. Like, you would be insane. Like, you would just have chills. Totally. If you're us. Yeah. By the way. So this would be, oh yes, there we go. So this is Boston on the Mount Rushmore of Summertime Jams. Yeah. Just imagine someone paddling right now into Mavericks. Slow motion, of course. Yeah. Sib, the drummer, remember his afro? Yeah, that dude had a mighty afro. Fucking mighty. How many times have we listened to that song like before we'd paddle out just to get all fucking amped? To get amped. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You had to, yeah, it was that and then say a few prayers and then leave a note under your seat, like in case you don't come back. <laughs> Those big days. <laughs> I was thinking of that. I was listening to that Morgan Wallen song, right? Which is a total now it's like a hit. It's you know. People say, like, well, you guys are just really in top 40 music. I'm like, I'm actually not. Like, grindcore and death metal is my favorite stuff. But then when I hear, like, a good summertime jam, like, yeah. I'm all in. Yeah. Because I was thinking, like, this is actually probably one of my favorite songs of all time. This is a band called Discordance Axis. They're from the East Coast. This came out early 2000. You're calling this a summertime jam? No, not at all. Oh, okay. What I'm trying to do is set the parameters. Like, okay. you know, I'm running a white birth here. So people say, like, would you just put it on the radio, like, and you're just into that thing? Like, no, this is what I usually listen to. But then when I hop on my truck and I hear that Morgan Wallen song, I'm like, this is a good song. This is perfect summertime jam. I can't put on... Discordance axis invite my friends over for a barbecue. It's like this is this is a little tense. Like I'm not enjoying this. You yeah. know what I mean? Sometimes jam, like everyone, no matter what they like, you know, what they listen to, can just like I'm digging this. This is like it's it's right for the moment. Right. Which I think is a defining characteristic of a uh, summertime jam. Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's gotta make everyone uh at ease. Mm-hmm. Which that song that you just played would not. No, not at all. Uh, it puts me at ease, but I have ADHD. So. Your brain is wired weird. <laughs> it's broken. Um, it also has to be like in those major chords, it just makes everyone feel happy. Right. Right. It's not a song about politics or how the world's fucked up or right. a sad song, a sad ballad. It's like, yes, we know all that shit's happening, but for today, Let's just taking our shirts off and yeah, turn on the gonna, grill we're gonna lather each other up in some sunscreen and uh you know it's gonna be a great day <laughs> make all the women felt leave <laughs> just for an hour just or two. for like five minutes <laughs> all right but that's not what we're really talking about <laughs> so yeah that that new morgan walden song which is 
I think it, that is a solid summertime jam because usually the summertime jam is all stuff that is relegated to you know late seventies, you know through the eighties. Brian Adams' "Summer '69" good summertime jam song. Journeys, any way you want it, great summertime, great summer jam. Yeah, I think that uh, for me the yeah because we talked about this earlier, so you a summertime you have a jam bit for of a me. Spin on there. Yeah, uh, I have memories of songs that came out in the summertime. Yeah, and for the whole summer you kept hearing it. And it's just ingrained as a summertime jam. I mean, it still has to check all those boxes. Yeah. But it also, to me, has to be, um, doesn't have to be, but is usually in my memory also coincides with the summertime. Now, I wasn't alive um, long enough for Boston and, and Journey. I, I couldn't tell you right. if Peace of Mind came out in the summertime. Yeah. You know, even though it's a, it's a classic. Right. Uh, Summertime song in, in in the vein of what you're talking about. Oh, this is a perfect summertime jam. So you hear that guitar melody that's going over everything? That's a defining characteristic of a summertime jam. Switches to the major key right there. Yeah. Dude, how could you not be in a bad mood? It's, it's amazing. It's that song, that's my favorite Boston song. It's like you hear that, you're like, Ukraine, you know what? We'll figure it out. Let's not stress about it, at least not today. Like, we're just going to hang out and have a good time. Yeah. Summertime jam. Totally. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let me come a little bit more current. Okay. For you right now. So I remember when this song came out all summer long, it was like, it was the hit. Uh-huh. And I thought it was a great song. There's some controversy around it. And actually, I'm not going to play uh, the Megan Trainer song all about that bass. Please don't. Because I know it'll drive you, <laughs> make you walk, get out of the, <laughs> the room and leave the house. Um, but not, that's not, not that I have any ill will towards the song. It's just what I have. What drives me nuts is just the corporate radio model. It's like, people like this, let's play it over and over and over. This is one of the few times I can handle anything on a job site. Like most of the time, I don't bring a radio to work. And it's usually uh, like the concrete crew and they just blast mariachi music, you know, all day. I was like, that's fine. Like, I can handle that. It doesn't really matter to me. And I just thought of another song you're going to hate. Okay. That would also <laughs> okay, qualify. <laughs> no, keep going though. You're going a different direction with this. Sorry. <laughs> it's your fault. I didn't mean to interrupt. Just, you're just in too good of a mood, I'm noticed. <laughs> Is uh, my buddy was playing a radio station that played that all about that bass song. It, yeah. It's where, dude, it came on like every 30 minutes. Yeah. And I just walked over and I shut the radio off. Like, yeah. What are you doing? I was like, dude. Put on something. I can't handle this. I cannot handle hearing that song. So that song was written uh, with the intention of being the summertime hit. Uh-huh. I wouldn't necessarily call it a summertime jam mm-hmm. because it's not like, because like you said, I mean, you can't just put it on and have it playing while you're barbecuing right. and not notice it kind of. Yeah. You almost, you almost, you don't want it to be the center of attention yeah. in, in, a, in a Exactly. Movie, right? Exactly. And that song just is so like, flamboyantly gay or whatever that it, right. it will it's just it's yeah. just too over the top it's yeah. too much right okay uh maybe this song qualifies but tell me what you think as in either qualifies as a summertime jam or as a song that was released in the summertime and 
would would be along the more along the lines of all about that bass. Dude, if you play Baby Shark, <laughs> this, <laughs> this is, is the long setup. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody get up. Oh. Naked ladies in the video. It's this uh, what's his name? Robin. Robin Thick. Son of uh, Alan Thick from Growing Pains. Yes. Rest in peace. Yeah. Canadian. Really? Yeah. And Pharrell. Maybe I'm going deaf. Maybe I'm going blind. Maybe I'm out of my Okay, now he. Anyways, I just remember that song kind of dominating the uh, the summer soundscape when it came out. I can I can randomly Tourette style blurt out that oh yeah, that's the son of Alan Thicke, who's in Growing Pains, who's Canadian. When's your mom's birthday? Fuck, I'd, I'd have to email, <laughs> I'd have to text my stepdad and ask him about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, very jovial, a little bouncy. Uh, for me, in my mind, summertime jams is always kind of yeah. more classic rocky. I guess. Uh, but I, 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 I see where you're no, going, like well, as far as the cinema goes. I sure. couldn't picture that song in my head, so to speak. I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't hear it until I just played it. Um, and I, I don't think it would. It wouldn't go on my album of summertime mm-hmm. jams. Yeah. I mean, we also talked about like there's the obvious summertime jam that is a song about yes summer. Yeah. Like you said, Brian Adams, summer, summer '69. Right. Several that, Boston that songs. That song could have come out in February. Yeah. So if you it listen to some of the Boston lyrics, and you're just like, yeah, they're. They made a like total dude hangout song about like dudes hanging out and just having like a good time, which is, I mean, that is the summertime theme, right? Yeah. Summertime jam theme. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm afraid if I don't play this song, we might get some hate mail. Okay. So I think this is the, the all time summertime jam. Drums, please. Right. Just see someone washing their car right now. Yeah. Nice laid back beat. Good melody. Yep. Yeah. Very pleasant. The background the noise, the uh, the chatter in the background, the yep. people kind of having fun and at, at a barbecue or whatnot. Like, I bet if you pulled that out, like if we were watching that VH1 Greatest Albums or whatever, and there's a the guy sitting there at the soundboard with 7,000 tracks, and he's like, pull out the uh, background <laughs> noise. You'd be like, oh, yeah, you're definitely missing something without yeah. I'm going to start doing that because we have barbecues here all the time at party or... And then, and then, I'm gonna play over the Bluetooth speaker like the sound of like a raging party. Yeah, you know, I only have like 12 people here. It's like, yeah, I wonder if we're like, this is a, this is a good time, man. This is a place. God, I'm be, having fun. Place to be, obviously. <laughs> Some like muffled music you can barely hear, like behind all the the crowd chattering. Yeah, it's just got to be like the, uh, the the sound of a much bigger and funner party than you're actually having. <laughs> party. party. <laughs> God, this is a great party. Yeah, I'm loving myself. Uh, so um, you want to talk about that grotesque thing growing out of your knee? Uh, yeah, my uh, hoof and mouth disease that I, that I have on my leg. It's 
It's painful. Yeah, it does, that does not look like a good Should time. I try to get it on the camera? No, please don't. <laughs> I might lose a few subscribers. <laughs> yeah, I have a staph infection. Um, this is the second time you've had it. Yeah. I didn't know but you this had it time, the first time. Yeah, that was kind of when I first started training. Yeah. Um, this time is way worse. Um, but I think that, uh, this uh, is a bit of an omen cause I came straight here from the gym after rolling and I haven't gotten the shower yet. So next episode, I'll probably have it too. Most likely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, uh, <clears throat> being on the prednisone is apparently a, uh, immunosuppressant. So mm-hmm. I gotta be extra careful. Right. But I've made it this far through all of this prednisone shit without getting anything yeah and now like i'm finally almost off of it and of course i get the yeah. the infection but the back of my legs are covered in um wounds basically from the liquid nitrogen treatment that i had for yeah. all these other little spots that were also related to the <laughs> prednisone damn buddy yeah. you are a hot mess i uh i promise uh, our listeners i will not be talking about prednisone ever again there's so many interesting uh side stories that have branched off from that as the kind of the common through line yeah well i mean if you take a normal functioning you know more or less normal person and uh give them a drug that completely alters their mental state and imbalances their emotions you'll get interesting stories yes out of it yes what i've learned and someday i don't know if we've talked about this or not but we will release the episode where you fucking fully lost your shit and fucking cleared the table and ran out and just destroyed everything in the backyard. <laughs> and like the, one of the most admirable like flip outs I've ever seen in my life. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was one for the books. It was something else. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of prednisone left over, so we could probably okay. run this experiment on what you we need or... to do is think of the person that we know that's already like preemptively like angry all the time and give it to them. Like, dude, take all these and like, let's see what happens. Then we'll take you out to the bars. Let's just see what happens. Like Seth. Yes. <laughs> Seth. Seth Richardson. <laughs> the joke being that we had when we all worked together, uh, everyone had an anger nickname. Yours was Sid. Mine was Marty. And then we, we had a guy, a concrete guy, who was a good dude, but yeah, one of the mm-hmm. Boston dudes, one of the worst tempers I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, you see him lose his shit. You're like, okay, everyone out of the room now. And so he and found out about our nicknames. He's like, well, what's my, what's my angry nickname? You're like, it's Seth. <laughs> Seth, Seth Richardson. What do you, why do you guys say that my angry nickname is Seth? <laughs> no reason, dude. Don't worry about it. Um, have you, uh, I think it's time for me to tell you, well, tell our listeners, put it out into the universe mm-hmm. of my, my theory around, um, the documents, the, the confidential documents found in Joe Biden's house. Oh, boy. And how it relates to Donald Trump mm-hmm. and Ron DeSantis. Okay. Did you have more to get to besides uh, the summertime jams? Uh, yeah, I got something. I have something crazy dark, but I'm not feeling it today because okay. I'm in a good mood. But So I got something else. I got some dark shit, too, but okay. since we're in such a good summertime mood, the, the mood and the sun is finally shining Outside, and uh, we were just listening to Fresh Prince Summertime. There's no way I can go to it. So I'm just going to go with this. this okay. It's a little bit silly, but hear me out. Okay. this I might be onto something here. <laughs> okay. Who would you say is a bigger threat? Hold on a sec. I'm going to get me um, a beer. Oh, shit. Every time. Every time. One day I'm going to learn. Yep.
one day this war is going to end. So, who would you say is a bigger threat to the deep state? To the deep state, okay. Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump? Donald Trump. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Who resisted uh, the the state through COVID more aggressively? Good point, Ron DeSantis. Donald Trump. Uh, Operation Warp Speed criticized anyone who didn't lock down. Criticized and, Georgia for opening too early. And Florida and Sweden. Yep. Yeah. He talked about... So by that metric, then it would be Ron DeSantis. Who is more likely to fall in line with taking people's guns away? I don't know anything about Donald Trump's stance on guns. All right. Dildo this real quick. Okay. Uh, Donald Trump um, take away people's guns. Okay. All right. I believe it was in uh, relation to red flag laws. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Um, and he said, uh, well, we're just going to do it. We're just going to go take their guns away, and then we'll... You're saying Donald Trump said this? Yeah. And then we'll, we'll ask questions later, basically. Okay. So, and I, if I'm right, and you tell me if you find it, if I'm right, I think that Ron DeSantis is less likely to take people's guns away. Because Donald Trump, uh, without knowing much about what Donald Trump's stance on gun control is, and seeing that he's <laughs> so down for this, was a lifelong Democrat, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and Ron DeSantis isn't. Um, they have constitutional carry in Florida mm-hmm. now, which right? is new. Which is new. So yeah. Then by that metric, okay. So you're two and zero right now. Okay. Ron DeSantis. All right. Um, I believe that uh, there, there could be other examples that I'm that aren't off the top of my head uh, aren't coming to me, but mm-hmm. um, I believe that Donald Trump, having been through the ringer once, mm-hmm. having been in the White House, knowing how hard it was to fight the deep state, promising to drain the swamp and then you know just basically hiring everyone Not, in the swamp, to, right yeah, doing the exact opposite. Um, and don't give me, oh, he couldn't. they were they were. You know, everyone was working against him once he got into the White House. It's like, mm-hmm. well, what did you expect? Yeah. Right? You right. thought they were going to just let you just do whatever you wanted to do? Yeah. No. So I think that he, being the egomaniac that he is, wants to be in the White House so badly that he will cave to the powers that be. That is a really good point. And I think that Ron DeSantis has a apparatus that he's built slowly around him that when he goes into the White House, mm-hmm. he will take that with him. All yeah, of those people would, that are helping him now are going with him to the White House. I would definitely definitely agree to the fact that um, someone like Ron DeSantis is definitely more principle-driven. <laughs> he actually yeah. has like consistent principles that he has espoused that have stayed, that hasn't really changed more. Yeah, Strikes me as less of an egomaniac. Than Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Okay. I mean, a lot less. (laughs) I guess everyone alive strikes me as less of an egomaniac. Look, he's nicer than John Wayne Gacy. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'll give you that. But that being said. Okay. Um, And I think that DeSantis would just be more of a rational he's a known entity and it it looks to me like 
he's already given the middle finger to the Biden administration, the whole um, Washington yeah, apparatus. That, right. That, and he is more focused and more capable of doing damage to our existing system. Mm-hmm. And I think that Donald Trump, because of his uh, megalomania, mm-hmm. um, is more likely to just succumb to wanting to be the man instead of actually making a difference. Now, I'm not trying to disparage Donald Trump. He might want to make a difference. I'm just saying that he's more likely to be vulnerable to his own ego. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, man, I got to say, I think you actually might have sold me. Okay. Yeah, you might have turned me around on that. So that being said. I, I just envisioned this three-tier system, if we have Joe Biden and Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, is at the top we have Joe Biden, like, full deep state, we are going to do this. And I'm saying it out loud, which I'm kind of thankful for. Like, okay, I'm glad you're putting your cards on the table. Like, we want to take your guns. We're mm-hmm. you know, coming for your kids. You know, we want to get you on the CBDC, um, which we are going to talk about soon. And uh, But then in the middle tier, Donald Trump, like, no, 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 no. I, like, I'm not doing that. Like, you know, I'm your guy. Like, I, I'm, I have more freedom and everything. And then through action, much like Obama, like, I'm an anti-war guy. Cool, I'll vote for you. Like, Wow, uh, two words to seven. I, that's not really what I voted for, which I did vote for. So Donald Trump's like they've changed the definition of anti. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. As they want to do. Yeah, they pulled the old CDC. Exactly. <laughs> and then on maybe at tier uh, number one, you have Ron DeSantis is saying it out loud and basically walking the walk at the same time. I yeah, just, I just made that up on top of my head, but I, yeah, I see where you're going with that. That's kind of the that's the feeling that I get. I could be wrong. I, I'm not saying Ron DeSantis is my on this idea. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fact check that. John Wayne Gacy killed 33 young boys, not 33 million. That was brought to my attention. Did you say that? I don't know. Someone I feel like I might have caught that <laughs> yeah. if you had said 33 million. Yeah. I don't know. We'll check. The I mean, tape. just the there's probably a record of it somewhere. We'll have to, sh- yeah, uh, listen, we should we'll listen scour back. the internet. Yeah, thirty-three million would take like a lifetime. It's incredible work ethic. Yeah, like I mean, without being a communist, I mean, good luck to you. You'll be like a Stalin or a Mao if you're going to kill tens of millions of people. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you have the work ethic of a of a capitalist, then uh, you know maybe maybe the free market is the way to achieve thirty-three oh. million. So many conflicting boyhood right now. <laughs> That's just boys. I, I, thought, just we, I thought we thought we weren't going to go dark today. <laughs> we keep it like light and airy. We can't. Are there even thirty-three million boys in the United States? I mean, probably not. No. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So, <clears throat> you may have uh, heard about Donald Trump having. Going to get an angry text. There are more. There's more than thirty-three million boys. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Not the point. Uh, Donald Trump was found to have, uh, classified documents in his Mar-a-Lago home. Yes. I heard about this. Okay. Um, that was supposed to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's become less of a big deal. Right. Cause right after that, they found a bunch in Biden's garage. Yes. Who's next to my Corvette? Uh, thanks for throwing that in. Um, that's not why we're here today, by the way. And I remember when that came out, we did an episode and we called it something like, uh, is that our president under that bus? Mm-hmm. You know, like they were just throwing Biden under the bus. Right. It was like obvious to us, like, oh, they're getting rid of Biden. 
they're using the documents as an excuse to right. get rid of him. Well, that never happened. <clears throat> and it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Right? So it made me think, like, what was the, the point of all this? Because you and I don't see that stuff and just go, what a coincidence. Like, they just happened to all of a sudden, <laughs> all at once, they found a bunch of fucking documents. Like, give me a break. Right? So at that time, it made sense. It did. Yeah, for sure. It did. But then, you know, every once in a while, we're wrong. And the proof is in the On pudding. this podcast. <laughs> it came out and then nothing happened, right? And mm-hmm. so I started thinking about it. I was like, well, what was the, what could have been another reason for it? And it, I thought of this. I think that the Democrats and the state at large, mm-hmm. the governing kind of apparatus that's in charge right now. Right. Capital S state. Yes. Wants to have Donald Trump as the opponent. Oh, I, I absolutely believe for, that. To, to Joe Biden or to whoever's running on the, on the Democrat yeah, side. I think they do too. Because when you're running against Donald Trump, it, your work is all done for you. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is just go, well, it's Donald Trump. Right. And people will just, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I just fucking freak out, right? And so it's funny because I have something about that that we'll get to a little bit later. Turn my lights on. That's better. Yeah, I think you're right. I agree with that. I've heard that from other people too. But yeah, I think they're yeah we really he's such a polarizing figure. Mm-hmm. Like as you're, I think you pretty succinctly put it. Our work is done. Like we don't really have to really, which they didn't have to do with Joe Biden. He didn't really run a campaign. They stuck him in a basement somewhere. He yeah, put out, put out a couple Zoom videos like this. You're not voting for, and I'll get to this later, you're not voting for Joe Biden. You're voting for not Trump. And Joe Biden is almost dead. Yes. So whatever happens to him doesn't really matter. It could come out that he was the worst, he he was John Wayne Gacy. And it would just be like, well, you know, that ruins him, but it doesn't really ruin anything else. We're all, you know, we're fine with the, you know. We move on from him. It, it, it does matter if Joe Biden dies. Well, I think that the, the, the concerns <laughs> are based on what we should all be concerned about. But the, the solutions have to be and include what we are doing in terms of going forward, in terms of investments. If Joe Biden dies, I'm personally flying to Washington, D.C. Like, all right, come on, get up, get up. We're going to take a walk around the block. Let's get some broccoli in you. Like, let's take some vitamins. Like, oh, my God, please, please, please. You don't want to see it? I mean, does it really matter? <laughs> you actually, wouldn't rather have... <laughs> the the comedy fodder that was going to be available for, you know, <laughs> for people like us is going to be, well, our work is done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So uh, what I think happened was with the... Dude, did you hear... Okay, so I recently heard... I don't want to derail you here for a second, but, you know, to speak about Kamala Harris is I just recently heard, I wish I would have pulled the clip, but she did a speech in Africa that was right along the lines of what we just played. And it's like, what, like, what, like, what do you, what do you, what do you say? You had just told me that she did a speech in Africa and it was 100% coherent. No. And clear and had a, a beginning, a middle and an end. I'd be, my mouth would probably be hanging yes. open. No, you know? it was worse than what you just heard. And then you start thinking about like, what's what's the flight to Africa? It's got to be twenty hours, yeah. twenty five hours. Probably. Like you didn't jot down just a couple notes, and it was like about nothing. It was like you, you all these political speeches are about nothing because these politicians they have no de- ideas of their own. They're supposed to go, like, we're looking for a strong you know partnership with you, but like, dude, give me 
give me give me a subject. What like give me a political subject. I'm a politician. Okay. Um, inflation. Inflation. Uh, what we need to do is balance. I mean, obviously, we're looking at some hard economic times, but um, what we need to do is not completely rely on quantitative easing to you know ease the effects of inflation. But at the same time, well, do I we think that to- the, the the concerns <laughs> are based on what we should all be concerned about. Never mind, she's got just- it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you had twenty hours to prepare something, and like you, I just came up with something off the top of my head. I build houses for a living. Like, why can't I do this job better than you? It is a very good – there's no way to actually look at this except that they're bad at their jobs because they there is no incentive for them to be good at it. Yeah. And it's just like the, the whole system is the same exact way. The money printing. It's like we – I'm glad you said it because that's what I want to talk about today. It's the whole, the, everything is easy now. You don't have to balance a budget because we just print money. You don't have to be good at political speaking because we just snow job everybody and right. gaslight them in the press conferences. The, the media is going to cover for you. It's all just this shell game. We have a giant unaccountability problem that mm-hmm. everyone is a part of. We all are. You're right. I mean, your house does not appreciate. All right. You buying the house and waiting five years does not make the house better. No. Okay. Think about that. Your house got worse in five years, not better. There's no reason it should be worth more money. Yeah. We all live under this same thing. The, the, we don't need good politicians because that would be a waste of just energy. That's also an oxymoron anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Ron Paul is a good politician. Thomas Massey. Okay. So what I think happened okay. with the documents is that in order to give – I think they wanted. I think they probably made some sort of. And this this part I'm speculating on, so I could be totally. I see wrong. where you're going with this. But they probably said to Trump, they being people in the FBI, right, or the CIA, or the deep deep whatever state, the DIA, who knows, yeah. and said, "Look, we're gonna throw some cover for you, help you get elected." Yeah. All right, but you need to do us. You know, take it easy. Don't talk all the drain the swamp shit. Don't right. you know. Just and it, in exchange, stop with the horse face tweets. Yes, <laughs> which he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're gonna do is uh, we'll find some documents in Joe Biden's house, and then all of a sudden the documents in your house don't seem so bad, and we can throw Biden under the bus because he's almost dead. Kind of water down the broth a little. Who bit. cares? Yeah, Biden Schmiden. Like we don't really care about him. He's yeah. a he's a total just pawn, right? He's right. like the biggest pawn, but he's a pawn, right? Okay, so they did that. Um. Now you would think, well, they haven't stopped harassing Trump because look at what they're doing now. They're trying to get him imprisoned so that he can't run for president. It's like right? campaign finance laws or something, yeah. something like that. Well, it's yeah. That they're getting him on. They're trying to turn a misdemeanor into a felony. And right. From everyone they're, that I've trying to make him ineligible to, to run. Yeah. Then who knows? Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. Judge Napolitano seems to think it's a little bit more. Uh, serious then serious. it seems yeah but I listen our, to that but Mike our attorney says Napolitano's full of shit well I'm going with Mike <laughs> me too <laughs> however <clears throat> if what they're actually trying to do is get Trump to be the nominee then this shit with the these misdemeanors is you couldn't come up with a better plan mm-hmm because it's gaining him a ton of 
support. Yeah, his support went from, I can't remember the exact numbers, but he raised something like $4.5 million in the first two days after that news was announced, which I don't know if you don't follow this kind of stuff, and Lord knows why should you, but from the political kind of pundits and outsiders saying like that's like record-breaking money to be raising for especially yeah. for an already established ca- uh, candidate and people that care about the rule of law and look at things from a little bit of a you know mature perspective and say hold on the the leading opposition opponent is you're trying to jail him mm-hmm. you're trying to so that's the most disturbing a, an, a, an offense out of nothing so that he can't run for office that's the most disturbing part about it to me because hang on i got this let me guess. I'm not, not a Trump supporter. supporter. <laughs> <laughs> I was all about the idea of setting the precedent of someone already in power jailing or making someone ineligible to run, you know, their, their, their most likely opponent. That is not a precedent you want to set. And what I always say to people is like, listen, I understand you guys are in power. You're, you're just drunk with authoritarianism. I'm like, let's just like, let's decimate that other party. It's only a matter of time, as we say, you know, our politics smashes from guardrail to guardrail, back and forth, back and forth. Those people will be in power. And if you set this precedent, it's going to be used against you. So be very careful with what you do, especially if you exclusively, we, that's not the case now, but when they control the House and the Senate, and they're like, let's just push through all this shit, mm-hmm. gun control and the climate initiatives and, you know, get rid of the filibuster. It's like, careful, careful. You guys are not going to be in power forever. That guardrail to guardrail, uh, metaphor is is good it needs a little tweak though mm-hmm. it's it's a freeway with guardrails on each side mm-hmm. that's constantly turning to the left yeah okay yeah i'll give you that one. right yeah and we we go to the right we go to the left but in the end of the day right. like you're making the entire road giant going left hand turn yeah um so I'm if a you man were, without a country <laughs> if you are ron DeSantis, the day donald trump was arrested and he gave that speech uh-huh. Well, if you're Ron DeSantis considering running for president, mm-hmm. the day that he gave that speech after he was arrested, he gave that speech from Mar-a-Lago, right. was like probably the day you decided, okay, this isn't, you're yeah. not running. Yeah. You can't run against that, Yeah, right? I think that was probably, we'll see what happens, but a, probably a big blow to any chances of Ron DeSantis running for president. Interesting. So... That's kind of the, uh, that's where I'm at. Oh, that's where I'm at with that theory. However, um, speaking of Judge Napolitano, um, he was on Liberty Lockdown. Yeah, I listened to that. The other day. Oh, did you? Yeah. Did you catch that part where um, they were talking about basically what I'm saying right now? Uh, possibly. I, I, I said it that way because I can't remember exactly what they were saying, but I have it down <laughs> in my notes. So I'm going to play um, this for everybody right here. It's not the nominee. I don't think Biden's going to care about running. I think the Democrats want Trump to be the nominee. I know many Republicans who believe that if Trump is the nominee, that's the only way Joe Biden can get reelected. If Trump is not the nominee, I don't think Biden's going to care about running for reelection. If Trump is the nominee, it's sort of an ego thing. But if Trump is the nominee of the Republican Party, the issue is not Joe Biden's horrific stewardship and bringing us to the brink of World War III. Mm. The issue uh, is Trump, his right. personality, his character, and his crimes. Yeah, interesting. And then that is really not something the American public wants to be the basis for choosing the president for the. It's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, it, and it I just all came at earlier. Like it, you're running against Trump, it's just it does the work for itself. But right. you're running against Ron DeSantis. Now you have to actually account for all of the shit that you yeah, that you, you did. You're gonna have to go toe to toe. You can't with just him, say with ideas. Well, DeSantis. People yeah. will be like, "What DeSantis? Who? Who's DeSantis?" Yeah, but when you say, "Well, Trump," I'm like, "Oh yeah, I mean, I know, I know Trump. Yeah, I'm not a Trump supporter. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> oh, you mean the guy that put the kids in the cages? Yeah, I, I, I don't need to hear. It. Yeah, I already know who I'm voting for. Yeah, um, it's starting to think. Well, I think we already started the show, but well, it's never too late. Okay, let's officially start the show. <laughs> Good morning. Time to get up and go to work. <clears throat> so it's kind of interesting because you and I purposely don't talk about what we're going to talk about. So much so that we meet for lunch and beers and we stand there in stoic silence. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's like this Both weird thing. Oh, I want to tell him this <laughs> so bad. How about this rain, huh? Yeah. Yeah. We warriors, right? Really need it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> Is you actually brought up quite a few things that I actually was became pretty interested in this week. And uh as a typical victim of insomnia is always playing the victim. <laughs> yes, wake up. Dude, when that becomes Hold an on. official disability. You have not been suffering from insomnia Late, for it, a it long came, time. It came back. Did it? Yeah, just like a week Sweet. ago. Sweet. Yeah, because the podcast was suffering. <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you, we needed that. What's on your mind? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Feel good though. Feel good, man. Yeah, just happy. Feeling ha- spry. Happy to be alive. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know, just things are all good. Is when these, I, you know, you wake up at two in the morning, you know, next to your peacefully beautiful sleeping wife, yep. as you should be doing, and you come up with these ideas, and I start like, uh, then once you pull up. Once I pull out my phone, like, okay, it's official. Like, I'm, we're, we're in for like two, three hours at this point. Have you gotten to the point, because I've been suffering from insomnia right. myself. I promise this is the last episode I'm going to talk about prednisone because of the prednisone. Uh-huh. Um, and I've... It's because your face is too fat and you can't breathe right. Exactly. <laughs> keep moving around. <laughs> um, I find... <laughs> I found that as a good boy. Wait, 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 dog. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> I've found that uh, I've gotten better at being awake. In, at night. Yeah, it's an art. Like, it, right? I suffered for like a decade when I was living on your property. I was like, I just, fuck it, I'm going running. Well, I used to wake up and like worry about things. Yeah. Like, like work would come into my head yes. and start, oh God, that, that right. one solar tube is, you know, we didn't clock it right and it's at a weird angle. And I've gotten to the point now where it's like, well, that's a work mare or that's a, that's a work thing. Right. I'm obviously, I'm tripping because it's nighttime. You and, compound it in your head. And I'm compounding it in my head. Because you know in your spot, it's like, dark I, I, and clear, it's, you know, I clearly can't do anything about it right now. So yeah. let's make the problem worse yeah. by, all, by all means. Exactly. And you show up in your job like, it's fine. Oh. So yeah, or no, what we need to do is just pull that off and recock it and then we'll be good. Yeah. So glad I spent four dun, hours dun, dun. <laughs> worrying about that last night. So I've gotten better. Like when those thoughts creep into How my head, you? <laughs> I just kind of go, well, that's probably something that's 
only worrying me because I'm awake in the middle of the night. Yeah. You, you make know? things worse. There's just a way to kind of intellectualize it that's now that I'm I'm better at. So right. I'm I'm appreciative of having Which is something I know because I, I started taking melatonin, which mm-hmm. did something my insomnia naturally went away because I tried sleep meds and which I try to try melatonin before too, right? I have it and it never worked. Yeah. And so something switched in my brain where all of a sudden things got better or whatever. And then I still have the same amount of stress. And, but then the, you wake up in the middle of the night and instead of, you know what? Thank you, insomnia for not being specifically exclusive to work stress anymore. I really appreciate it. Cause now I wake up and I start about world war three. <laughs> or lately I wake up and I start thinking about, you know, the federal reserve and fractional reserve banking and quantitative easing and Somali pirates. So, you know, just the usual stuff that a well-adjusted adult will start thinking about. Now I'd be remiss to move on without playing from Smalley pirates, this classic <laughs> clip. Look at me. Sure. Look at me. Sure. I'm the captain now. You like a boyfriend. So this would be from the classic. Uh, that dude just called Tom Hanks ugly. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's not the pot calling the kettle black. I don't know what it is. <laughs> that's from the classic uh, 2013 movie, Captain Phillips, uh, starring Tom Hanks, and credit where credit's due. Uh, to my knowledge, no, no information suggesting that he ever flew to Epstein Island, so true standout in Hollywood. Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks. Seems like a good dude. Yeah, seems like a very good dude. Uh, that's based on the true story. Of it's that. pretty much the standard now. <laughs> yeah, no, did he fly to Epstein Island? Yeah. No. Because most of them did. Is he, he part did. of the World Economic Forum? Like, all right, dude. Yeah, invite him over. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> He's Bruce Willis in my book. Uh, that's based on the true story, even though I'm sure that Hollywood took their extensive liberties, as they usually do, um, from the 2009 hijacking of the ship, the Maersk, Alabama, which... Apparently, this is what this is based on. Okay, so let's back up for a sec because I want to do this in true Liberty Tree fashion where we're going to start at the end and then go back. And not, of course, not in any kind of lineal fashion, just sporadic, chaotic, ADHD-esque, you know. Are we going to start with a solution and then come up with a problem? I have no solutions. Uh, I only talk about problems. I leave the solutions up to you. All right. (laughs) So... Think about, and for you longtime listeners, so Somali pirates would be the Tom Cochran in this, uh, this situation, which is kind of interesting because the connection you made from Tom Cochran is that he completely used his music to hijack the control of shipping lanes in Africa. Right. And what do Somali pirates do? Well, the hijack shipping lanes in Africa. Could be a coincidence. Could unless, be a coincidence. unless I'm not up on my uh, Somali piracy. Well, don't worry, because I'm going to bring you up to speed. Okay. So I want to play this clip real quick. That's two minutes. Uh, well, uh, Commissioner, um, Mr. President, uh, I rise again. I'm afraid to make the same old hoary speech that I've been making here for several years. Who is God and that is, bloom? it is my opinion that you do not really understand the concept I'm going to tell you that. All the banks are broke. Uh, Bank Santander, Deutsche Bank, Royal Bank of Scotland, they're all broke. And why are they broke? It isn't an act of God. It isn't some sort of tsunami. 
They're broke because we have a system called fractional reserve banking, which means that banks can lend money that they don't actually have. It's a criminal scandal, and it's been going on for too long. To add to that problem, Who is this you have moral maniac? hazard, a very significant <laughs> moral hazard exactly. from the political sphere. And most of the problem starts in politics and central banks, which are part of the same political system. We have counterfeiting, sometimes called quantitative easing, but counterfeiting by any other name. The artificial printing of money, which if any ordinary person did, they'd go to prison for a very long time. And yet governments and central banks do it all the time. Central banks repress the amount of interest that rate, rates are, so we don't have the real cost of money. And yet we blame the real retail banks for manipulating LIBOR. The sheer effrontery of this is... Okay. Yes. You know what we got here? Motherfucking Charlie Browns. <laughs> well played well played dude fucking charlie bronson has <laughs> got a death wish that, that from the classic uh true romance yep. right? yes oh great movie yeah. so the guy that i just played in the clip uh clip there is godfrey bloom he's from the europe of freedom and democracy group and he's addressing the european parliament there in 2013 Oh, that was 2013. 2013. Wow. Yes. So but that I've, guy's clearly been, uh, did that guy commit suicide? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> clearly, do not get it on any airplanes, sir. <laughs> hey, the Clintons invited me out for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> if you know this man, do not fly with him. And um, I bring this up because what he is saying, this is 2013, but it definitely was true then. It's even more true now. And it's probably the beginnings of the fruition of this guy's truth probably began coming true in 1913, which uh, is explained beautifully in the book. The Creature from Jekyll Island. The creature from Jekyll Island. Essential so, reading. So this being in 2013, which is the same time that Captain Phillips came out. Hmm. Coincidence? Hell no. Coincidence? Obviously not. Coincidence! <laughs> All right, it's just a coincidence. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, did you know, so I started looking back into Creature Jekyll, Jekyll Island, and that did you know that there is a, like a fairly sizable movement trying to discredit that book called A Right-Wing Conspiracy Theory? You mean spoiler alert? Spoiler alert. Yeah, it's something read by spoiler alertist, yeah. such as our, such a such as ourselves. And so they, there has been an active campaign. I mean, I don't read books that aren't considered a right wing conspiracy. I know, I know. I when mean, I see that, I'm like, I should probably check that out. Yeah, it's exactly. it's like the old school PMRC album record label, you know, warning label. I was, that's how I discovered Slayer. I was like, right. uh, I should probably buy that album and listen to it. And that's it became one of my favorite of all time bands. That's why I eat uh, lead paint chips because uh, <laughs> right. warning from California. Right. I noticed that tick went away <laughs> that you had for a while. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. So much smoother. Yeah, it's just with a fat face. It's just so much more pronounced because you know your cheeks would be like a half second behind your chin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so the author, G. Edward Griffin's writings were, quote, promote a number of right-wing views and conspiracy theories regarding political defense and healthcare. And it just made me funny. It's just like, he's writing about how you are being screwed by the Federal Reserve and this weird, like, 
we call it the tribal binary, but this weird knee jerk of like, don't you make fun of the Federal Reserve and the, and, yeah. the, and the big banks. Like, they're my friends. Didn't you see the commercial? It's just like, who are you people? Like, who like who are you people? Like, I fully don't understand. It's like you're sitting around going, like, yeah, sure, man. I can't afford a house. I'm in my 40s, and I have no plan for my retirement. But uh, I did see that the J.P. Morgan Chase uh, – they promoted a. Uh, they sponsored a float for the Pride Parade. So, I don't know. Seems you know, like things are ticking in the right direction. You, know, you guys, little ideas. You know that. You know just because they can rake in trillions of dollars and control the global economy, you think they would screw over the American public? Like you can take that little conspiracy theory yeah. somewhere else. Let me guess. The uh, articles or people claiming that Creature from Jekyll Island is a right wing conspiracy. <laughs> are completely void of any examples of how it's actually not <laughs> yes, correct. Yes, I know. Right? I'm sure that the the fact check... The fact check! I can't hear that clip anymore without envisioning the gay the being completely annoyed. gay face. It's like, we're fucking out of here. Fucking <laughs> how you dare people. you? <laughs> I know. I'm sure that the, uh, the fact check is something like, well... He says that the, you know, the, the, this meeting was on the, the island called Jekyll Island. The actual name of the island is, <laughs> it's like, okay, okay. fine, you're you right. Got, you got us. <laughs> so the reason why I picked this clip out and I thought it was kind of important is it's, I saw it as kind of a springboard to talk about something that I wanted to bring up. And that is that the way that he adds, he puts in kind of pretty much layman's terms. So he's talking about, specifically for example talking about quantitative easing and saying like it's counterfeiting when you when you think about it and i mm-hmm. did look into it it is counterfeiting well one man's money printing is another man's right right and and it's interesting to see to try to break down i did some deep dives on some like really dry financial like abstract things and it's done intentionally so it's done intentionally oh, so. Maddie's insomnia is back, baby. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Honey, I love you, and things will get better soon. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> so we just need a few more Patreon supporters. It's, babe. Just stick with me. Right, right. There's a great line in the book uh, called The Big Short by Michael Lewis. There's also a phenomenal movie made about it, and it basically outlines what happened with the 2008 financial crash. crash. And... Um, the but if all the, the the fundamental tenets of the book and the movie are basically the same parallels for what goes on with the economy as a whole, right? It's the infrastructure from which that whole thing operated in is why the economy crashed. So when you understand like some basic things, and they throw around like a lot of like intentionally made like obscure and complex terms like that you're not supposed to understand. And there's a reason why they do this. And in this book, they inter- they interview this hedge fund manager. And there's this great line in there where he goes, this hedge fund, ma- hedge fund manager says, we intentionally use like obfuscated and like very like overly verbose like acronyms and terms because you're not supposed to understand it. And why we do that, this guy's very like forthcoming and honest. And it's, it's, a, it's a pretty powerful part of the book. He goes, the reason why we do that so when you approach a potential investor is we use all this language and they don't understand any of it. And what that does is it impresses upon them that like, we're the experts. Yeah. Like you don't understand this stuff. Like we do, we use all these terms like MBS and CDOs and you know, all this stuff. And you go like, 
cool, this guy clearly knows what he's talking about. Here's $20 million to invest in the MBS market or whatever. Now, as someone in the building trades, I was just I'm, gonna I'm, say, I'm sure this technique sounds familiar. I was just going to say that, dude. <laughs> yes. That is, that, You see that everywhere. You go into the steel shop and they use their lingo. You go into the right. whatever, the hardware store. There, there's yeah. always people that... And want. then we do it to our clients and our subs do it to us. That's and, true. That's yes, true. Yeah, yes. there, you, there's always like people that want other people to Correct. think that they're more knowledgeable and so they use lingo yes yeah. i mean doctors do it's, it uh, yeah absolutely psychological but, mumbo jumbo if but you will. that being said we are here to point the finger at other people not ourselves no, all right no, like, not us. we aim to keep the self-loathing and introspection at a bare minimum here at liberty yeah, tree it's so, hard to do but yes let's move on especially with so, all the the hate listeners that we have <laughs> so point being Take this ride with me for a second. Okay. Is if you want to start explaining this to, to people, and we are going to explain it to people, but we're going to point it into layman's terms for people to understand, right? Because if you go to Easter dinner and you start talking about tranches and credit default swaps and CDOs and uh, MBSs, fractional reserve banking, quantitative easing, and how it all operates under the umbrella of the Federal Reserve, like, try that out. Do, do, do the homework and try that out. Then take a quick stock of the, the, the level of interest of the people around you who you have now like pretty much held hostage with your fucking diatribe that no one really fucking cares about. Their eyes are going to like roll back in their heads. Like you, you have to approach this in a way you're trying to explain how people are fucking getting screwed, right? Which is what the book Jekyll Island does. Yeah. And then the people that don't understand this stuff write hit pieces on this guy. Like it's a right-wing conspiracy. He's like, you're getting screwed by this too. Do you not understand that? Like, what what is this knee jerk reaction? Like, do a little bit of homework. Now, that book is incredibly dense and very thorough. I guess we could say. I wouldn't call it dense. It's it's it doesn't. It's, it's, a, it's not a, hard to understand. It's very easy to read. It's very long, but it's long as yes. shit. Yeah, and thorough. So. As it pertains to this conversation, now I can define all that stuff I said, the CDOs and the MBSs and all that stuff. Like I'm sure you have you have a marginal understanding of what that stuff is. I understood about one third of the okay. words that you just used. So what we need to talk about is quantitative quantitative easing and CDOs. Uh, CDOs, so I'll go ahead and explain this then. CDOs are um, collateralized debt obligation. Um, investors, they bundled. This is what caused the 2008 crash. This is what is explained in the movie. The Big Short explains this really awesome. Like if you want to, if you don't want to like do a deep nocturnal dive on this stuff, like watch that movie. It's like they do a very entertaining way of showing it. But it's they take all these high risk loans, bundle them into one giant package, which they refer to as a tower, and then they make them look more attractive to an investor who will buy up all the loans. So <clears throat> think about it like this. Um, as someone in the, in the building trades is uh, I go to the dump. I go and pick up all of the giant chunks of concrete and all the rotted wood that people threw away and all the discarded windows and doors and the discarded roofing. I slap it all together, paint it, and go like, now it's a house. And I sell it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a CDO is. <laughs> And I sell it to someone and it falls down in a year. And I know it's going to fall down, but like what, yeah, you know, no, it's I, not, I sold yeah. it, <clears throat> sold it. It's an, it's not a house. It's a kit, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. We have all the components that you need to build a house. I mean, you, there's still some work to do. You have to, do, you know, provide some things like nails 
Fuck, um, dude. But you busy Monday? <laughs> no, and <laughs> I, just, I, I have I a trailer. Got, I just got an idea. <laughs> and then uh, are you, you're familiar. You pull up to the dump. Like, uh, what are you dumping? Oh, nothing. <laughs> then I'm taking it away from you. You're like, fuck, have at okay. it, Hoss. Yeah, go ahead, fill her up. <laughs> Dude showed up in a Mercedes. <laughs> and then uh, we already know what fractional reserve banking is, right? You mm-hmm. have a basic understanding of that. And then yeah. um, about quantitative easing. That's just printing money to cover up the more or less as a like mo- monetary policy where a central bank purchases. Um, a predetermined amount of um, government bonds or other financial assets. It's which, bank bailout. Which sounds great. But to they're doing that to stimulate the economy. Like, well, how do they purchase that? They do that by printing more money, counterfeiting. And they give that money to the <laughs> so banks. This, who is, were... this is what Godfrey Bloom is saying. Like, yeah. how is that not counter, counterfeiting, right? Exactly. So It is if you and I do it. I realize at this point the comedic value – of two people that build houses are explaining uh, obscure financial policy, <laughs> <laughs> but we're just going to move on. We are so, supposed to have Clint on uh, today to explain this. <laughs> so when you hear someone like Godfrey Bloom propose how quantitative easing is simply put, you know, is merely counterfeiting and it is counterfeiting. Uh, but, What's useful about hearing something like that is it pulls it out of this like dry, deep financial abstract and puts it into terms or at least a kind of conceptual realm where people can realize that they're probably getting screwed. And they are getting screwed, left, right, and center. Everyone's getting screwed because none of these entities, the let's talk about people at the top of the financial hierarchy – None of these people are beholden to any political ideology. If there's one thing that you can take away from all the fucking bullshit with the Deagle and the booster rages and everything that we just like shoot from the hip, you know what I mean, and get wrong occasionally, is this is the one thing that I wish people to retain is that these people, they're, they're financing both sides of everything, much like if you have brought up with the military-industrial complex. They're not beholden to... There are no sides. Right. It's like you, 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 when you're picking a side, this is my guy, this is my guy. These, these guys are financing both sides. They, picking a side would imply that you had some sort of a ethical or uh, some sort of connection, some familial, right. you know. But when you're really just trying to make money, you don't give a flying fuck who wins. Right. You want them to buy your stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Hold on a sec. I'm going to get me. All right. We're doing a deep dive. <laughs> So point being, outside of everything, you know, when we do these deep dives and you get into the details and stuff, is just to impress upon people that you live to quote The Last American Vagabond, which is an excellent uh, show you can find on Rebel. Did you just say you live to quote The Last American Vagabond? Did I say that? Oh, I'm sorry. No, you. I'm sorry. You, go ahead. I didn't mean that. <laughs> John Wayne Gacy killed 33 million <laughs> boys. <laughs> Like he said, I live, you live to quote the great American vagabond. <laughs> no, if I could quote the great American vagabond is that they call it the two party illusion. When the reality is that you live in this uni- mm-hmm. uniparty centralized top down authoritarian system, yeah. which you are motivated, it's it, motivated exclusively by money, your money, by the way. And you are here at the point of a gun. We always say that everything is a reduction to violence at the end. Like you have no choice whether you want to take part in the system or not, unless you pull off uh, 
like a Ted Kaczynski, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Well, even he didn't. It didn't wait. It didn't work. No, no. You know, it's in federal prison. Uh, all you could hope to pull off is a American Revolution. So, for the people at the top of this financial power hierarchy, you have to realize: to them, there are no Republicans. There are no Democrats. There's just everyone underneath them, right? Yeah. And they bank on you people out there saying, like, I'm a Trump guy or I'm a Biden guy. And the way that – okay, let's talk about something. There are no Biden guys, <laughs> right? There's only <laughs> not Trump guys, as we were talking about earlier. Uh, yeah. The uh, – <laughs> oh, okay. I <laughs> the, At the beginning of the pandemic – is I was lucky enough to not have to miss any work, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone was trying slowly, like, kind of getting back to it. Like, we never knew who was an essential worker or not. And um, I remember being at Home Depot and stopping there before work, and I was heading out to the job. I was in a hurry. And this would be, you know, you know that kind of sunshine that we have, like, late spring? Like, it's just so bright. It's like... Yeah, like well, the you, sun's still kind of low in the sky. Right, exactly. It's hitting you right in the eyeballs, no right. matter where you go. No brand of yeah. sunglasses or no and visor. There's no leaves it's, on the trees. Right, it's, it's just nothing to shade. It's you. like you're being interrogated by Mother Nature, and you're just like, "Oh my God, I can't see anything." Yeah, and I'm like backing up, and then I hear like screaming, and like and then and I you see felt like a thunk thunk on your <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. So I don't have a license and a warrant, so I take <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and I see this motion, I stop, and this woman is comes around the corner of my truck. And I realized she had been behind me and I could not see her, mm -hmm. right? And you know, I'm going one mile an hour and backing out of a parking mm -hmm. spot. And she's waving her arms and were you yelling beep, beep <laughs> out the window. <laughs> <laughs> and the first thing I notice is she is wearing a blue surgical mask and blue surgical gloves. And she's oh, got yeah. her just to set the scene here. It's she's, nice that the crazy people actually like now have a way to signal that they're crazy. Dude, before what before I say, it's them. like it's extremely yeah. comforting when the cattle brand themselves exactly. <laughs> enjoy that. Exactly. Is but she had that uh the hairdo where it's just like fucking pulled back. That that like it's like tight, like it's yeah. like it must affect your vision. It's so tight. It's like just the <laughs> right. like just a like, I'm opens, just an angry bitch. Your sinuses up, <laughs> yes. And uh, and I can see the only thing I noticed is she had like uh, black hair and black eyebrows, so they're very pronounced. And then she's got the the mask on, and they're like tilted down, like angry, like cart yeah. almost like cartoonish. Yeah. I can see like she's like raging, and she's like waving her arms and everything, and. Uh, I don't have the road rage thing, you know. I don't have the like. I'm not going to get angry about this. Like, I don't know. I, I, there was that one time with the club. Okay, how many times are you going to bring this well, up? Until yeah, you tell the story, I guess. that guy fucking deserved it. <laughs> All right, remind me. I will tell that story later. Is I gave their uh, held my hand out, gave her the like. Sorry, that was my fault. Sorry. Yeah. Like, sorry about that. You know, I'm like giving her hiling. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so. Um, just to try to ease the situation, I get out and I start goose stepping around my truck. <laughs> so I'm giving her the hand, like, sorry, sorry, like, totally sorry about that. And then uh, that makes her like angry. And so again, now I'm doing the, and I'm doing the more pronounced, like, I'm sorry, like, sorry, I didn't see it, like, sorry about that. And so I like, back out and she's walking away from me. And now um, she's still like looking over her shoulder, like, waving her arms. 
and now she's kind of like emphasizing whatever she's saying, like with her feet. So she's like changing her cadence a little bit with the way she walks, you know, like emphasizing the words that she's saying, like by kind of stomping with her foot well, a little bit. Well, and like, because she has a mask on, <laughs> so she needs to yes, exactly. she can't use her face to right. do it. She yeah, has to yeah, use yeah. Her you, have to, you have to compensate for her yeah. body language. You gotcha. know, you've taken away half your face. So you're using, you know, your um, bipedal characteristics here to uh, right. <laughs> convey language to me, which is very odd. And uh, so now I'm like, uh, it's getting a little bit comical at this point. It's not like I hit you. Like, what's with the fucking anger? And so, but now I have to drive by her very slowly, and she's still like seeing me coming and like yelling. And now I'm like, All right, you know what? Fuck this. And so I like rolled out my window. <laughs> yes, come on. <laughs> and she's at her car now, and I like, I don't. I don't like conflict. I don't like to escalate. I just say like, but, <laughs> but I say like, lady, take it easy. I, I'd say like, don't, don't let her ruin your day. Call her lady. No, <laughs> I think I did. I said like, lady, I'm sorry, but like, let's not make this a thing. Like, let's not make a day out of this. I, I said something like that. And she just like fucking loses it. I really, she's at her car and they're low, and I look over, and this is the best part, is her husband, who's dressed exactly like her. They both have that uh, puffy REI jacket, you know, the one that says, like, I hike oh, on the weekends, yeah. which I believe comes with the Prius. And, <laughs> it's yeah, part of the deal. And an NPR uh, yeah. subscription. And um, he Where also has a blue surgical mask and blue surgical gloves on, and he's loading flowers into, both wearing gloves. In, into the back of the Prius. They were like twins. It was awesome. Wow. And I turned to look at him because I'm kind of like, is is everyone? Am I the only one seeing this? Like this is this lady's unhinged, right? Yeah. And I look at him. We meet eyes, and he just kind of like sinks at the knees and kind of tucks behind the car so he can I can no longer see him. Like he yeah. just like I'm hiding from this situation, yeah. which he's, made, he, he's been here before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which made me laugh so hard because now I'm like thinking about the guy. I'm like, oh, like. You got a little pet here. <laughs> I exactly. Understand. Yep. And I almost felt like the guy was like, I want to like adopt this guy at this point. So he needs. I was like, help. dude, I need some help with some firewood. We're going to hang out, have some beers. We're going to take apart the lawnmower for no reason. Like, we're just going to like do some <laughs> shit. <laughs> I didn't say it made sense, buddy. This is what dudes do. <laughs> that guy. Uh, that guy voted for Biden as <laughs> a point of that story. Gotcha. Because his wife told him he's a Biden supporter. Gotcha. Yeah, that guy is a Biden voter. Yeah. Man, that almost reminded me. Uh, never mind. Okay. Remind me to bring up the Dave's Market story on another podcast. <laughs> oh, I got a good Dave Market. We're, we're too Dave's far off the, so. the beaten path here. So uh, back to the show here. <laughs> I guess, apparently. <laughs> so there, there are them, the people at the top, and there are the way that they see us. There's no Democrats, Republicans. There's this weird binary that people get caught up in. There's only them at the top and there's us underneath. There's the plebes. What do we call them? The useless eaters, the useless idiots. We don't call them that. No, we don't. This is what these people call them. Yuval Harari. Yuval <laughs> Harari calls them. And, um, and there's, you know, it's those of us that buy into all this stuff. We buy into this, like, you know, I know I'm a Republican, so I hate Democrats. I know I'm a Democrat, so I hate Republicans. And there's no difference between Democrats versus Republicans. Uh, the book that I have right here, This Town by Mark Leibovich, explains that all. Like, it's a uniparty. It's it's the Green Party, the party of green. It's money. They're there to get rich. They're, no one is there to represent you. And the good, a distinct marker of the people that buy into stuff is that those of you that constantly ingest the 24-7 fear porn being spoon-fed to you by the corporate media constantly. 
right? On that note, I think we talked about this. Speaking of pure fear porn, you ever notice there's no COVID variants all of a sudden anymore? That's <laughs> just like not a thing. Yeah. No, they uh, they're overwhelmed with, <laughs> with work these days. I think. Yeah, just, with other things. Yeah, the guy that was coming up with the the COVID variants, you know, he's just like just completely overwhelmed with. It's one guy. That's the problem, right? They haven't funded. Uh, <laughs> This department. So the guy that was coming up with... Man, the, that guy has got his work cut out for him. Omicron, and then, then the Delta, and now it's like we're on to Ukraine, and there's the fucking... Uh, we have to... The trans activists, and the, the we are the seven thing. He's like, you guys, I can't keep doing the COVID thing. He just snapped one day. He's like, hey, uh, also slide these. I haven't seen my family in seven days! I need a day off. Like, I can't do all this stuff. Okay. I can't do all this stuff. You got to give me. Like, Hire. Some, I need some help. I need some help. Hire someone. I need some help. Give or, me some interns. Well, there's no more COVID <laughs> variants. All right. You guys choose. You know, for the, when you pose that question to people and inevitably, which, or I guess anecdotally, because I did experience this out in the world, they're like, no, 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 no. The variants are still out there. Speaking of fear porn, right? The variants are still out there. It's just that the media is not reporting on them. In which you go like, exactly. Thank you. That's what I've been <laughs> fucking saying for you, you to, years you, That's now. when you get people that look like, you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> like, is, it, is, is the math adding up at all? No, here? it's not. Like, They're like, no. what are you talking about? No, it's not. Ah, how to be a goldfish. Without shiny plastic castle is a surprise every time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so point being, for those at the top, and they know that Democrats and Republicans are merely part of this kind of two-party illusion, just the same way that the Raiders versus the Niners are, or that Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant is. <laughs> it's all kind of the same thing, and people fucking buy into this. I get it. It's entertaining. But you have to realize it's not based in reality, and that's something that we try to bring up when we talk about these things, right? Yeah. People that watch Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, people that watch WWF as we knew it as a kid, mm -hmm. uh, they knew that what they were watching right. was entertainment. Right. But people that... People that watch political debates, like, uh, fucking... They don't... Mitt Romney brought up some good points right there, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta say. It is a... This is the most important election up. of our lifetimes. We have to be on board with one party or the other. Democracy is on the ballot this yeah. time around. That reminds me, I was thinking about this and I was driving around and I saw this lady. Um, she had a bumper sticker that said, OMG GOP. I was like, huh. I was like, you're kind of the, and I was already thinking about this stuff. I was like, yeah, you're kind of the person that I'm thinking about. And then I look and then she doubled down. She also had the personalized license plate that said, OMG GOP. <laughs> uh, Which did she get first? <laughs> yeah, well, I did think about that. I was like, "Did you get the bumper sticker and then the personalized?" Because you got the personalized person license plate, and then you were at the county fair. Like, oh my god! Like, what are the chances? Well, that's true. Yeah, if if, if that was totally organic, she already had the personalized <laughs> license plate, and then she saw the bumper sticker. Then you kind of have to buy it, right? right? Yeah, yeah. But if it's, you, it's, it's serendipitous at that point. If like, you yeah. bought the license plate first and then went online looking for the bumper sticker. Come on. We got it. You only need the one. You, you, you can't do both. Um, That's the belt and suspenders approach to the ninth degree. We don't, we don't need both. I got a beer on the line here. Okay. You want to guess what kind of car she was driving? Beer? We're betting a beer on this? Yeah, betting a beer on this. 
It's, if you get it right. There's only two options. Right. <laughs> no. I'm going Subaru. Ah, no. Prius. Ah! <laughs> You're so close. <laughs> you see, you got to wear the entire uniform if you want a virtue signal to your fellow low-status primates. You got to do the whole thing. It takes a lot of work. Turns out she's actually like a like diehard Republican. She's like, <laughs> OMG, GOP. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> it's Halloween every oh my day. God. <laughs> okay, so what we're talking about. What are we talking? <laughs> okay, we'll get there. Is we're talking about politics, and we're talking just just a refresher. We're talking about our financial system, how we're all getting screwed, but we keep getting sidetracked with our. Um, <laughs> Bullshit story. Hilarious yeah. side takes. So when when think about we say it's quite a bit with you think about politics within the we call it bread and circuses, which we spent an episode on ex- talking about the concept of bread and circuses. Or as Uncle Ted called it, surrogate activities. Mm-hmm. And Uncle Ted calls this now this is how he defines it and tell me if this isn't a snake eating its own tail. It's a designated activity that is directed toward an artificial goal that people set up for themselves merely in order to have some goal to work towards. Yeah. I give you golf or arguing on social media or all of our elections. When you really think about it within this broad spectrum of the way of who's at the top of this power hierarchy are the central banking system, the Federal Reserve, and the big banks. And they're not beholden to any political party. They don't give a shit who's in, who's in office. I give you the financial crash of 2008, and we talked about Obama. I was like, I'm going to hold these bankers' feet to the fire. And they're like, no, you're not. You're not going to do anything. And you're also going to give us a bailout, and we're going to give ourselves bonuses. So how about that, happy crappy? Get fucked and fucking say it walking. Are you saying that golf is like a useless activity? Nothing's useless. We all need things to take our minds away. There's nothing wrong with watching sports. It's like you can't. You can't sit here and read about fucking fractional reserve banking all night like you'll go fucking insane. You have to like you have to have a timeout. There's nothing wrong. Surrogate activities isn't a purely it's not a pejorative. It's not I a bad get thing. Hung up on this when you bring it up. I know. I know <laughs> you do. No, like you have to You have to remind me every time. <laughs> yes. No, it's not a pejorative. It's like you as a human being, you need leisure. You need to relax. You need to take your mind off all, all the shit every once in a while. But what I'm saying is the reason why I'm bringing it up with reality is when you see this broader paradigm of who's actually controlling the, the entire globe, I would argue, big yep. banks and fractional reserve banking and the fucking big banks. Tom Cochran. Tom Cochran, exactly. And who we haven't connected him to Deagle yet, which we will do soon. <laughs> Look forward to that one. Right. Is what I'm saying is, is like even your, you know, you guys diehard Democrat, diehard Republican, I'm going to go like and go to the ballot and we're going to vote for my guy. The, the elections are the same thing. The elections are surrogate activities. They're the same thing as watching sports. It's like it's a way to take your mind off of what is really going on, that you're being screwed. There's a reason why you have no retirement. There's a reason why you can't afford a house in your 40s. And there's a reason why that we have inflation. There's a reason why our currency has been so devalued starting in 2000 or, sorry, 1913. There's a reason. <laughs> sorry, at 2008, which is when Captain Phillips came out, by the way. Coincidence? <laughs> Coincidence. I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, I did have a quick side note that I feel like that we should clarify that when we talk about Ted Kaczynski, who we're constantly talking about in his book, Industrial Society and his future, like he nailed a lot of things. He got a lot of things <laughs> right. people. Yeah. But <laughs> that being said, he did kill 
a lot of innocent people, and he did injure a lot of innocent people, which might be a violation of the non-aggression principle, which is the fundamental tenet of libertarianism, which is why we're against wars, all wars, not just some wars, all wars, not all wars, but we got Ukraine right this time. No, all wars is what violate the, the, the NAP, the non-aggression principle. All wars that are not 100% uh, participated in by willing yeah. participants. Yeah, everyone, everyone on both sides is, is all in. We call that mutual combat, which we have mutual combat states, which I think we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Is So point being that um, I think that Ted Kaczynski's philosophy was spot on. His execution, I guess you could say, was fatally flawed. Flawed. Fatally flawed. Yeah. Literally. Had he only killed people that des- deserved it, uh, people that worked at the post office. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> Had he only mailed packages to the DMV, we'd all be uh, on board. But uh, hey, I got to break a few eggs. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Okay, so back to uh, let's get back to the point on this podcast. <laughs> back to Easter dinner and quantitative easing. Right. Yes. So when you ask people, going back to what Godfrey Godfrey Bloom was saying at Easter dinner, like, why is counterfeiting bad? Right. Why is it bad? Yeah. Well, it's illegal. Why is it illegal? Ostensibly, they make things illegal, right? Because it's going to be harmful to society somehow. Now you might have to go through a couple of rounds, but eventually you get to the answer of or the question: Why is it okay for yeah, the government to do it? Because if everyone started printing money, it would undervalue our fiat currency to the point where it wouldn't be worth anything to which once again you go like exactly aunt cheryl want to pass those potatoes down here please (laughs) and how about them warriors now you're back in the tribe like everyone trusts you again (laughs) so as much as i want to make a liberty tree prediction much in the way that we made a prediction about um what's the last one we made was about um, the limited hangout. Like you're going to start seeing this term more and more and more and more. We talk, and, and we described what the limited hangout was and we did start to see it more and more. Yeah. I want to make the same prediction about quantitative easing, but I think it's a little too self-congratulatory. It's like, we're not, it's, we're already seeing it. It's like, I miss, I, I already missed the mark. Well, people have been calling it since. Right. Yeah. Before it's, 2008. It's the, the, yeah. Right. But I think in as, as far as the common vernacular, as far as the, the popular zeitgeist, I think where people are going to start, I keep seeing this term move, you know, come up more and more and more. And, and you're saying that that's a, a limited hangout? No, 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 no. To- totally separate. I think it's just, um, cause we're going to see the effects of it. I think they're going to start to utilize quantitative easing to we're in a fucking financial train wreck right now yeah and it's gonna get we're just in the beginnings of it it's gonna get much worse so we're gonna start to see that term more in like the new york times and the chronicle and a term you brought up in the last podcast maybe there's one before that um that to me kind of ties in with uh the limited hangout is the pre-bunking notion. right absolutely and you're probably gonna see that around this idea of quantitative quantitative easing because we are gonna you're get. You're watching, are we, dude? We're already uh, two hours into this podcast. This is we have to eventually <laughs> okay. call it a day. I'm just kidding. We could go all day. I don't really care. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. Um, we are seeing. We're gonna see thing things in the media that have never been in the media mm-hmm. before. Yeah, the idea of 
quantitative easing, for right. example, mm-hmm. the idea of the petrodollar. Yep. The idea that um, printing money is what causes inflation. Like we might start seeing these like limited truths kind of being tr- yeah. sprinkled. Because if you watch CNN or MSNBC all the time, those terms are probably a foreign language to you. Yeah. I'm sure you've never heard them right. before. If that's all that you pay attention to, right? It wouldn't surprise me if we did start seeing a lot of that being. Yep dropped absolutely so pay attention to that because I, I think you might be on something there yeah that's actually you have basically made the cliff notes for everything i'm bringing up right now is by the way i want to make a uh let's get sidetracked again i, <laughs> I do want to make a liberty tree prediction is I want to go on record saying this. Like so just as the you know, just as we had a plan from the PNAC, the project for a new American Trying to predict hey, yes. the future is a discouraging hazardous occupation. Because the profit invariably falls between two Futures now, old man. That is good. So just as that we had a plan from the Project for a New American Century that we would invade uh, seven countries in five years and we would need but we need a new Pearl Harbor to basically, as the impetus to stave off the fucking masses from rioting in the streets or protesting, right? We need a reason to sell the public on this so we can have the public support. Um, And we did do that. We did have 9-11, voila, magically. And then we did invade seven countries in five years, beginning with Iraq. So, prediction. Beginning with the insolvency of the Silicon Valley Bank, which was intentionally brought down, by the way, not the podcast for this. <laughs> we can okay. do that another time. Uh, I think we are witnessing the first stages of the controlled demolition of our monetary system as we know it. And this will be leveraged as the catalyst event to, or the new 9-11 or Pearl Harbor, uh, as it were, to make the case for the transition to the central banking currency. And that's a, that's something that we are really going to start seeing more and more. I think. Looking uh, forward to talking to you about this because... Yeah. I have some contrary uh, ideas about CBDC. Interesting. Yeah. I, we I, have a shirt on our website at libertytreelifestyle.com mm-hmm. that says, fuck your CBDC. And I stand by that notion, and I think everyone should go and buy that shirt and wear it proudly. I mean, that's, it has the word fuck on it. It's hard to wear that out yeah. in public. But regardless, the, the sentiment remains the same. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I do have my, I have my doubts about the, the danger and, and the ability for them to be, if, if efficacious is a word, uh-huh. the efficacy of, yeah. of this to actually work. I have my doubts. And so Interesting. when you bring it up next time, we'll okay. talk about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. I would, I'd look forward to seeing it. So I don't know shit about shit. So, you know, <laughs> feel free. We'll get Clint on for that one. Hopefully <laughs> there you go. he can tell me if I'm there wrong. There you go. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to bring that up because I want to go on record, and I would urge you, loyal listener, to also go on record, tell your whatever, your spouse, your neighbor, your coworker, maybe that Tinder date that you're about to go on, maybe share it with them. So that way you Yeah, can, get that shit out yes. in the open. So go on record of someone hearing you saying that, that we are going to definitely see the push because the fi- uh, our our fiat currency is completely collapsing and saying like, well, the the next logical move is for us to move to the CBDC. So when you text that Tinder date, like, hey, remember, it's me, John. We had drinks at Chili's, you know, six months ago. Like, remember what I was saying about the CBDCs? Like, crazy, right? And they go, of course, 
no, I don't remember you saying anything about that. And you can kind of shrug and mutter, going, well, I tried. So anyway, please do that. <laughs> Happy Easter. Back to the show. Okay. So as the economy gets worse and worse over the next few years, as I was saying, I think you're going to see this phrase, quantitative easing, uh, come up more and more. And so we want to put this in layman's terms. And the best notion that I thought of is quantitative easing. Think of it like this. It's the financial version of the hair of the dog, right? So yes. think about like... Oh, it's, it's great it's, analogy. It's the same concept. Like there's this guy who... Or guys, I don't know. Maybe they have like a podcast or something like that. And who does more of that thing to try and ease the effects of that same thing that got them there in the first place. Like that's how, that's what quantitative easing is when you really think about it. So, yes? The, <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a flaw. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. I want to do a whole episode on this. This is, this is too much. Do okay. we have three hours to do this podcast? Just keep going. Okay. Um, the hair of the dog analogy okay. is almost right, except that when you're hungover and then you have another, you have a beer mm-hmm. to ease the pain, mm-hmm. it doesn't just push that pain off till later. It actually eases the pain. And then later on, you might not feel great later on, but you've, you've actually eased the pain. It is medicine that, okay. that works. Okay. Okay. And then later on, you can kind of deal and, and get yourself back. Quantitative easing pushes it to, to later. It, and if it was the same analogy, it would be like you're totally hungover. You can't, you have a major headache. You're, you're dying. You have a beer. You feel good. And then once that beer wears off, again, you're dying. You're even more dying and you're even more headache. You're more in pain. You're, you're, you're worse than you were nope, before. You're right. We're stepping in the same pile of shit here, right? So the way that I saw it is that, is that you, the first analogy is the guy, and this is not the one that's applicable to our financial system. The way we go, the hair of the dog analogy is eventually said guy wakes up, uh, Sunday morning goes like, you know what? I have a huge day Monday. Um, you know, we're going to have that one beer and then I'm going to fire some work emails. Like we're going to hit a run and have a good breakfast. And then I'm going to organize my day, you know, my week for the rest of the day. Cause I got to hit the ground running Monday. The second analogy, the hair to the dog analogy is Nicholas Cage in leaving Las Vegas. And he just keeps drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking. And he moves into a shitty motel room in Vegas, right? And then he eventually hooks up with a prostitute. And the analogy being that America and the central banking system, which are synonymous at this point, America had that first sip of beer in 1913. Because like, ah, I'm digging this. Like, I like this. And then it raged through its fucking 20s the way that we all did. I was like, dude, I can just party all fucking night, sleep for an hour and a half, still make it to class, still get to my job. I can still produce things. I can still be productive, Mm -hmm. right? And now here we are in 2023, and that guy is in his 50s or like early 60s, and his family's gone, his wife has left him, he's unemployed, and he's living in a shitty hotel room with a fucking prostitute, and his liver's about to give out. That's what we're looking at right now. That's what quantitative easing is. Well said. So you can choose to believe or not believe the events that happened in Creature of Jekyll Island. But 
for all of us, like what is happening now for all you conspiracy theorists or all us chicken littles <laughs> talk about these things. Like it's, they're undeniably the effects have come true, right? Would you not agree? Absolutely. I mean, look at the, the valuation of our fiat currency. Like look at inflation. Like look at the cost of goods, right? Look at the, I mean, all, by all financial metrics, like we are in a fucking complete shit show. And my prediction is this is just the beginning. Like even we had like crazy dips in like 2008 and we're looking at another recession, but it's just all a downward trajectory, right? We've talked about this numerous times on this podcast. It's all come true exactly as predicted. The The argument against it is that, well, the reason that we're in, that we're seeing inflation is that there's, there's greed of corporations that are raising prices right. on people. And that's, that's stupid and ignorant. And all of the predictions, such as in the book Creature from Jekyll Island, have said this was going to happen. Yeah. He's not the only one. A lot of everyone has predicted this. Everyone, every smart economist has predicted right. that this was the outcome of printing money, and now we're experiencing it. Yeah. So, again, to drive home the point, like even if you buy into this article, probably on Vox or some shit, it's like, no, that guy's a right wing conspiracy theorist. I'm like, well, what they said was going to happen is happening. I yeah. mean, that's kind of debate it on its principles, is. not on you know, right, right, what Vox is. So when you start understanding the way that all these things operate under the central banking system, you know, model under the Federal Reserve, you start asking questions, right, in the middle of the night when you should be sleeping. (laughs) And apparently (laughs) that not being an option, you start asking, like, how is quantitative quantitative easing not counterfeiting? How is fractional reserve banking not the world's largest Ponzi scheme? And how is the MBS market not just the same thing as going to Vegas and throwing it all in black? That last analogy being a little clunky because if I go to Vegas, throw it all in black, I'm operating under the assumption I'm using my own money. That's not how the MBS market works. (laughs) You're doing that with someone else's money, which caused the 2008 financial crash, which I think is also the reason we're going to see another crash here. What's MBS? Mortgage-backed securities. It's basically – it's betting on whether people would – are going to be able to pay their mortgage. It's taking, uh, turning someone's mortgage into a commodity mm-hmm. that you can stake money on, basically. Yeah, money that was loaned and has interest payments on it that you can <clears throat> financialize. And... So let's bring it around. Okay. This, this is the Really? Area. I mean, we got, we got plenty of time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now that we understand that we are living in the confines of the world's largest and vast, most vast Ponzi scheme, and our liver is about to give out, <laughs> I naturally start doing a deep dive on the Somali pirate trade, as one does, <laughs> right? Excellent. <clears throat> there is... <laughs> oh. Hold on We're going late today. <laughs> there is a city... I didn't douse my computer in beer. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> There's a city in Somalia. It's called Harard Hire. It's about 250 miles northeast. How do you pronounce that? Harard Hire. Oh, okay. Harard Hire. Very good. Okay. Um, I've been working my Afrikan lately. <laughs> uh, it's about 250 miles northeast of Mogadishu. And Somalia, as most countries in that area, uh, have wallowed in abject poverty for decade upon decade upon decade, which I'm sure has nothing to do with the U.S. military inventions that began with the Battle of Mogadishu in 1992. We're still there, by the way. Um, so every president uh, 
Clinton, Bush, Obama, Trump, Biden, and Biden just recently upped the ante. Um, we just did a drone strike there that killed 30 people in January. In, um, but they were Al Shabab. They were bad guys. I'm sure this is like, Thank a, God. I'm sure this is uh, nothing like the drone strike in Kabul that killed seven children, the youngest being two and two U.S. <laughs> friendly aid workers. This is totally not one of those things. Totally different. If someone, whoops, our bad. Sorry about that, guys. If someone killed your two year old child, if someone killed my two-year-old child, mm. I would probably think my life was no longer worth living. I'd be have no problem right. dedicating my life. I'm glad you to said that them. because not to overegg the pudding here, but the point being that when you sit in your comfortable suburban home with that stupid Ukraine flag in front of your house and that coexist sticker on your fifty thousand dollar luxury car, and you ask yourself like, what would drive people to do this? This this is what people this is what drives people to do this shit like this. It's very very simple. You put it very perfectly there. You got to the point before I did. Thank you. $50,000 is a Hyundai, by the way, nowadays. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because of quantitative easing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Somalia being an extremely poor country, Reuters via the Wall Street Journal uh, and other media outlets in 2011, they began to notice that Harad Hedre had, and other cities around it, had like, a massive influx of cash all of a sudden. And they're saying like, quote, cities packed with luxury cars. This newfound wealth became so like obvious that the government at that time said like, uh, we're not going to fund your infrastructure. We're not going to fund your education anymore. Like clearly you guys don't need any money. Like they were rolling in money all of a sudden. It was soon realized that in the rare bout of legit investigative, investigative journalism, they're like, oh, this money is coming exclusively from the piracy trade. Right, so I did. So I do a deep dive on small Somali pirates, as one does. Yes, and <clears throat> the most, the bulk of that money was coming from the durable goods taken off the ships that they were pirated, and also from ransoms, ransoms being negotiated from the people working on the ships. And they take all the people back, and then they would negotiate the ransoms. See the FARC and the M nineteen socialist guerrillas that we talked about just on the. That last episode, episode before. You mean they had ransoms for they kidnapped the people that they take on the, the ship. people that were working on the ships and negotiate ransoms for them. For them, yeah, so they that, kid, that was they, part of the trade. So they they would pirate a ship. They take bring the basically everything on the ship is ours, including the people working on it. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Man, it's like the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> I know. Well, that's funny. We're gonna get there too. <laughs> yeah, I'm halfway there. Just hang on. <laughs> Did you know there was a Somali pirate stock exchange? No. Yes, there is. You, I, I sent you an article. Yeah. yeah. And yes, uh, I, I, I knew that you kind of knew it because I remember I sent you an article. And I got to admit, I was surprised and pretty amused when I saw that myself. So I found that article among many others. But I doubt there's like a reason why most people would know that a Somali pirate <laughs> stock exchange exists. So there is something called the Harad Herer Pirate Stock Exchange, and it divides its operations into 70 distinct maritime districts. And within those districts, and these districts are the same thing as stocks, and within each district is assigned a more or less loosely affiliated, affiliated piracy group, like a pirate group contro- controls each district. Yeah. And then a citizen of that area can basically invest in that district or that stock by giving them uh, supplies 
or just straight up money or weapons, whatever it is. And, and there's a, there's like an overarching <laughs> structure that governs this. Exactly. Yeah. This is brilliant. It is. It's amazing, dude. It's 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 incredible. And so when you as a citizen, you go like, here's um, here's some money, or here's some food, or here's clothes, whatever it is, and K forty seven, right? And then if they come back with you know a bunch of durable goods, you know you get the return on your investment, and it's totally organized and it's totally worked out. Yeah, well, it has and, to be right. If if they came back with the goods and they didn't give it to the people, the whole scheme would fall apart. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's like it's God. it's 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 funny enough. It's like, it's actually it a, a pretty beautiful example of the free market. Well, <laughs> they say, and I don't know shit about Somalia, but what I've heard is that since Somalia became a failed state. The average person in Somalia's life has improved a little bit. Yes. Definitely in Harare. Harare. This sounds... Harare. Dude, your Swahili is getting good. <laughs> yes, I yes, I've been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but then on the flip side, if you invest in a specific piracy group and they get blown away by fucking mercenaries, what happens all the time, or that's what happened in the 2013 classic Captain Phillips, then, well, your stock didn't do so well and you lost your mm-hmm. investment. Mm-hmm. So... God, going going back to what you're free market the most it is it's amazing and so going back to what you were saying about the early 1800s or whatever this model actually directly reflects I did some research this week this model actually directly reflects the one used in Amsterdam for the Dutch yeah, I'm gonna go find that melatonin and <laughs> steal it <laughs> I'll trade you for prednisone <laughs> how you doing I'm ready with the podcast yeah I'm in jail I got in a fight. <laughs> This model uh, directly reflects the one used in Amsterdam for the Dutch East India Company, who sold, you know, long time ago, who sold shares and and dividends to finance their voyages, which in turn would yield a lucrative return for, you know, this is in the original, you know, original like conquest days. And so this is like way long time ago. They would invest money and the ships would go out and they come back with, I don't know, silk, gold, spices. Right. I don't know, maybe human beings against their will. <laughs> I'm just kidding about that last part. That didn't happen. And um, then you'd get a return on the investment. And this is seen as the very first instances of a stock trade. This is the beginning of the stock market. Right. It happened back in Amsterdam right. with the, the, the original colonialist. Colonialist. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Um. <clears throat> So when you think about the whole idea, point being of all this, and the reason why I tied this all together in my head at 2 in the morning, is when you think about the Somali pirate stock exchange, because if you just explain that right off the bat, someone's like, it's fucking crazy, right? It's insane. There's a Somali pirate stock exchange. And you start thinking about like, is it though? I mean, think about it. I mean, you cued into it right off the bat because we talk about the free market all the time. It's like, I'm going to give my local piracy group some guns and ammunition, you're going to go out, you capture, I don't know, a Chinese cargo ship, you bring it back, and the return on my investment, they gave me, a, I don't know, like a Toyota Forerunner or something like that. You know, then on that ship was a bunch of automobiles and electronics, things that were incredibly scarce in this area just 10 years ago, incredibly poor, and like now we're flourishing with all these goods, right? We created a market. We, there was a need, right? And we... I mean, although highly illegal, but still, you know. You know what, though? Take it to its logical conclusion. Right. You have all these competing firms, right? Mm-hmm. The easier it is for you to get 
all you what you're banking on is bringing back goods to give to the right. people that invested in right. you, right? The easier it is for you to get those goods and bring them back to your people, right? The more money you're going to make, exactly, right? If you can get to the point, and you and it forces you, I, I have to make good on my word because yeah. if we have made a delineation of this entire area with over seventy maritime districts, is I could get my the return of my money, and I could even say like. You know what? I, they made good on their investment. They lost a few guys, and you know what? I hear like the district next to us. They got some new talent that has a total knack for like kidnapping people. Like I might take my investment there next time. It's the fully like the free. It totally makes sense. Like when you think about it. I think that the the logical conclusion is that the easier it is for you to bring back the goods, mm-hmm. the 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 more you're going to get paid. Yeah. That if you can every do it- every if every business has a invested interest to be efficient if you can do it peacefully and eventually do it just through agreements with other people that you're going to actually be the business that survives yeah the business that does the best right it's right. maybe starting out with kidnapping and murder and all that stuff but if you can just figure out a way like hold on a second instead of kidnapping and stealing these goods, it would be much cheaper to just send one guy instead of a team of guys with AK-47s. They're going to die. We have to we have to promise something to the families of these guys that get killed. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to recruit guys mm-hmm. for piracy, right? It's a little, it's kind of dangerous. As people are starting to make money in Somalia. They don't really want to send their sons out to be killed in a piracy operation. Yeah. Because we have to guarantee them, you know, $10,000 if they someone gets killed. Okay, instead of that... We're going to send one guy in a boat out to Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. to come back with the goods. We just make a deal with them. So we're not actually stealing anything or kidnapping yeah. anything anymore. And actually, we send two guys, we send three guys in the boat. The other two guys have guns just to defend them against other pirates, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, this, <clears throat> this illegal, murderous, uh, aggression, anti non aggression principle, if right. you will operation turns into a legit business that company is going to succeed in the end you know that you take it to the logical conclusion the more peaceful and business oriented group is the one that's going to eventually win in this competition not bad it's too much there's too much risk and too much um inefficiency to do it yeah in, in the piracy mode i like it I like it too. This is fun. We're dude, we gotta get into this business. <laughs> so to wrap it up, to talk about the Somali pirate stock exchange model, right? We laid it out. Cause if you explain that to if you just say that to someone like, Do you know there's a Somali pirate stock exchange? And it's like, no. And you explain them the bare bones of it. And people go like, that's insane. But we just described what we just did. Like no one could wrap their head like, around it. Is it really that crazy? Because think about it. What's crazier, right? What's more insane? What's more far-fetched? That or a system that continually arbitrarily prints trillions of dollars based on nothing, the Federal Reserve, to try and adjust to a federally decided percentage rate, which is decided by the same people, and then taking that money and printing it out of thin air, investing it in something called a CDO or a collateralized debt obligation, which essentially is just a bunch, uh, a bundle of high-risk loans. And then we take that money and the bank, using fractional reserve banking, they actually don't have any money, 
take goes to a guy who wants to buy a house and goes like, well, we don't have any, here's a piece of paper that you're going to pay for. We're going to take some money off the top. Here's this piece of paper that says, we're going to allow you to buy a house, right? You buy that house, which you don't have the money for. We don't have the money for, but we have a piece of paper that says, we're going to allow you to buy that house. And then investment companies, or maybe even that same bank that gave you that piece of paper, basically takes your loan and a thousand others around the country and bundles it into a tranche, you know, or, or an MBS and sells it back to Wall Street and says like, all right, who feels like gambling? And they decide, well, we need to make a projection of whether all these people are going to be able to pay their loans or not. Given that there's a recession company coming, are they going to be able to afford to keep this house? Where's that recession coming from? The fact that from, through quantitative easing, that the same people at the top, the Federal Reserve, just pumped a bunch of fucking trillions of dollars into the economy. What's fucking, what's a crazier system? No. That or the Somali Pirate Stock Exchange? <laughs> Let's buy a boat. Well, I rode into town on a crippled horse. Got fired from a cattle drag up north. The ropes of the gallows was swinging in the breeze. All the wanted posters had pictures of me. I got Michael 45. Right by my side Oh, I'm the California kid I hope you're quite prepared to die Tied what was left of my horse to a hitch Walked into a saloon They called the busted bitch I ordered up a whiskey He asked me for my bread I paid him two bits And then I pumped him full of lead I got Michael 45 Right by my side I dragged her upstairs by her lower lip, I got my...